Dr. James Beckett Sports Card Insights here with Adam Gray, a basketball card fanatic. But thanks, Tops Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Hugs and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. We're going to talk about basketball. Adam is, first of all, uh, we're going to talk about Adam's top 10 ranking situation. I'm really looking forward to going uh, toe-to-toe with him on that. But first, Adam, again, thank you for your two episodes so far of your Basketball Card Fanatic. Before you get started, tell the listeners where they can get, they get the first one for free, but just tell them where they can go and how they can get, they probably remember that you're the Instagram guy, but the real 27 guy. Yeah, there's two ways that they can get it. They can email me at basketballcardfanatic at gmail.com. Like you say, I'm happy to send the first one over for free. Uh, And like you said, last issue, I think, or last episode, I think issue two is significantly better than one, but you can get a good sense of what the magazine is from from issue one. And then uh, if if it's easier for you, Instagram's great for me. I'm on there all the time. And my user, my call name on there is the real 27 guys, T-H-E-R-E-A-L 27-G-U-Y. Reach out. I will be happy to send that to you and would be honored and love to have anybody subscribe to the magazine. Highly recommended. Okay. So Adam, you did a a kind of a shout out to a bunch of people. And I I think 17 people gave very serious responses to your top 10 iconic basketball cards of all time. What I did is I messaged 20 people who are big collectors, who who were people who I felt represented a lot of the spectrum of basketball card collectors. I especially liked to uh, message those people who, who are collectors of both vintage and modern, because in reality, it's hard to compare the two. They're just so different, right? It's hard to come up with a list of the 10 most iconic basketball cards, but that's what the goal of this was. So we took 20 people and said, give us a list. 17 of them responded. They each gave their top 10. And then we assigned each a weight and then ranked them from one to one to 22. The reason that we went so high is any, but any card that received more than one vote, I wanted to show a representation for. So if, it, if a card only got one vote, I kicked it off the list. But if more than one of the 17 people included it as a top 10 ever, I wanted to show representation of that. And so we ended up with 22 and highlighted the top 10 in, in issue two of Basketball Card Fanatic. Okay. And I got a kick out of it. And I think I was one of the three that didn't respond. And I just want to apologize for that, but I'm, I'm, I'm Jimmy come lately now. So do you want to hear my 10? I love to hear it. Okay. Here are my 10. I don't have the full specificity, but I, cause I'll give some latitude here, but and I really, I just have 10, but I really don't rank them as much. Okay. As it, it bothers me to say number one is Michael Jordan with his 86, 87 FLIR card because it is so plentiful. But on the other hand, what can you say? For a card to be that plentiful and to reach these prices, that's my number one. Number two is whatever the best LeBron card is. So I'm trying to limit just like on my wall of fame is that I don't have two for any one guy. You agree with the list so far, Jim? This is great. Number three, I'm going to go with Wilt. And the reason is I saw Wilt play, and it's not fair to say that people were better than Wilt because of supporting cast. When Wilt had the supporting cast, they put the best record in NBA history together. And I saw him play at the time, getting late in Wilt's career, but he was physically amazingly gifted and could have played any number of sports. So he's number three. I don't have the rest numbered. Lou Alcindor, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he was the best college center I'd ever seen up to that point. It'd have to be his tall boy, and I don't have that in great condition because all the ones I had were not in great condition. So that's frustrating. Just staying with the centers, again, not in order, but George Mikan has to be there, the 48 Bowman. The guy won. He basically, 
he was the closest thing to undefeated <laughs> every year. He won the championship. The only year he didn't, he, he broke his leg and he still played and they almost won. And then staying with Sanders, Bill Russell's in there, not just because it's a great card of his 57, 58 tops, but also just the man, the person, not just the player, but he's a first black coach, very articulate, really understood the game. I, I just think he was physically gifted, but he was a terrible shooter. He was a terrible shooter. And so do all he did when the guy, he, he was a, maybe a worse shooter than I am. And, I, and I, he was left-handed as I was. Okay, the last four, let's see, three, four. I got Kobe next, and I'll let you pick a Kobe card. I would only really choose something from his first two years. The second year of Kobe cards opens up a whole bunch of really cool cards, including the, the Jambalayas and the PMG Greens and things like that. And then the Magic Bird. Dr. J, that has to be in there. That's almost getting a twofer. I've got Luca next. I think Luca has single-handedly been a game changer in our industry. Wow. He has single-handedly elevated silver prisms, unnumbered cards, not scarce, to outrageous heights and easily gemmable or whatever word you want to say for getting getting high grades. That movement really has taken off and it's here to stay. But if anybody ever does the math which is your market cap stuff, which I'll get to. Um, so Luca, just on the strength of the silver prism. And then if I'm allowed to have one more guy, it'd be Giannis. And there's 1.8 million reasons why. I don't think he belongs in the top 10. He wouldn't be in my top 10 of, of best players, but he's there. My honorable mentions were, were Shaq, Tim Duncan, the big O, Oscar Robertson, Pistol Pete Maravich, who was probably the most fun to watch, Kim Olajuwon, one of the most skilled big men, Dr. J, who has great highlights. Jerry West, the logo and my, you know, boyhood kind of hero at that point, Steph Curry, who proved you don't have to be huge to be an amazing skilled shooter and ball handler. I'd have sentimental reasons, have Dirk. (laughs) You're not going to make the top 10. And then Zion, again, has anybody ever done less with more? (laughs) Whatever. He's, he is a physical impossible specimen and just on the promise and on the sizzle. He, he single-handedly took Panini's pricing to unbelievable heights, such that now facing this next year, there may have to be a correction because mm-hmm. there's no Zion. There's no looking at Maybe somebody will emerge, but it sure doesn't look like it right now. And so this thought that every year you're going to produce more cards, every year they're going to cost a little bit more. This may be the year that's the counterexample. That's my 20. Do I get to tell you what I did? So go for it. Yeah. So I love your list. I think we have a lot of in the top 10, I think we have eight of the same top 10, which, which is pretty high, pretty high correlation. Um, and it's the first eight that we have the same. I had almost everybody had the Jordan card. Number one, by the way, of the 17, I think it was 13 people listed. The Jordan Fleer card as the most iconic basketball card of all time. The thing that your list just, you went through the top 20 people. The thing that was clear as I sent out this list is that a lot of people really wanted this list to have a lot of Jordan on it. Right. There were several lists that had three Jordans. And I think, I think if I remember right, six Jordans had multiple votes. Right, right. Um, you know, cards like the first upper deck autographed Jersey card are considered extremely iconic. And in fact, that card came in as the number seven card ahead of Mike and the Alcindor and the Russell. The only player who had more than one card received multiple votes was LeBron. And he only had three. 
Jordan had seven. I think your list was special. The thing that was interesting to me though, is that people view the word iconic differently. It means different things to different people. Some people sought to clarify it with me beforehand and I wouldn't do that. I just said, here's the word. Here's the question that I'm asking everyone. So for me, and you named this one number 11, you put Shaq number 11. I had the Shaq upper deck card as the number eight most iconic card um, ever. And I don't think people remember how big of a deal it was when it came well, out. I do remember, but I, I just, I can't collapse all that uh, interest. It's not a bone to pick necessarily. And market cap is important, but market cap by condition of a card is short-sighted. I agree. Market cap by all conditions of a rookie card of a player is still not the whole story. Market cap needs to be the total value of the cards of that player. I agree. The problematic aspect of that is that, and it it would temper some of the enthusiasm for Luca and Zion and anybody young because Luca has two years of cards now going on three. Zion has one going on two. The market cap in 10 years is going to be huge. By limiting it to rookie cards, you create this um, graded rookie cards. You create this sort of population to draw from and to clearly evaluate. And that's empirical. It's It's empirical. It is. And and your previous company, Beckett, does a far superior job at PSA, by the way, at being being able to pull that population data, put it in an Excel spreadsheet. And then for me to go price it and then to create the market cap was far easier for on a rookie basis. And what I found in issue one, this was my question. I said, it feels to me like LeBron rookies have a much higher heart market cap than Jordan or than Kobe. I just want to see. I just want to see what it looks like. So I took every LeBron rookie and XRC. I took every Kobe rookie, every Jordan rookie and XRC, and I compared them all in every condition and their whole market cap. What I found was that LeBron's market cap, this is unbelievable. His market cap is more than 2X Kobe plus Jordan. My point is this. If you had a million dollars and you said, I want to corner the market on the big O, Oscar Robertson or Jerry West, you maybe could do it. If you had a million dollars, you wanted to corner the market, you'd need, you couldn't, a hundred million dollars would not corner the market for LeBron or Michael Jordan or Kobe. I don't think. Okay. I think if you added up all, if you said, I'm going to just get all the Kobe cards. And so if that's a billion dollars, then why are we thinking this is a $5 billion industry covering all sports? The market cap could be, a hundred billion dollars. Not every card is sold every year. No, you know I don't mean? know, but then you have to float. So I'm just saying, but that's you know, right. So that's, that's right. So so that's what's tricky. And that's what I'd like to see you and the other guys that are younger than me that have more time than me to look at, because if everybody says, I want to go get a Luca card, some of them are going to say, I'm limiting that to the rookie. If yes. they limit it to the rookie, then yes, your market cap for the rookie in whatever condition, whatever BGS has, you could easily double it to allow for PSA, throw in a little more for other graders. And then there's a whole bunch more raw stuff out there. That, so, that's right. Yeah. So at risk of doing exactly what you just said not to do by, by looking at just rookies, my calculation of the market cap for each of the three, Jordan, Kobe, LeBron, Jordan, $102 million. This is just Beckett graded rookie cards. Okay. And that includes 86 Fleer. I included the stars, not just the XRC, but the other stars that were made in those early years, as well as the sticker. I included the sticker. Okay. $102 million for Jordan, $50 million for Kobe. It's actually $50,400,000 and $295,000 for LeBron James. And to me, that speaks to how iconic these cards are. 
I believe market cap and how iconic something, I think we sometimes maybe use those things interchangeably. And that's what I was seeking to discover. The next issue of the magazine, its purpose is going to be to take these top 10 and to say, okay, across Beckett and PSA, and I'm just going to do those two, what is the total market cap for these individual 10 cards? Not the player, which which you're talking about, which I think is interesting, but I'm saying, what about these 10 cards? What's the market cap? I'm interested to see what comes out of it. Okay. I, let me just make one more provocative statement to you, Adam, because we're like-minded in many respects in this. But as a private equity guy, I think you'll, you'll grab onto this. My probably unable to be proved theorem is that when the market cap of a player of his cards is greater than his lifetime earnings from the sport, I think there could be some overextension. It made, it made into present day dollars. In other words, if Luca has a career earning potential of $500 million, then if there's more than $500 million worth of cards of Luca out there, maybe that's out of whack. I don't disagree. That's my theory. That's my theory. So, I don't disagree, but the market will bear what it bears. And sometimes people do things that are unusual. What I will tell you, and this is going to be interesting, Luca didn't make the top 10. Luca did make the list, though, by for more than one, more than two people. In fact, the Luca Prism card, let me get back to the list. I scrolled away from it. I'm doing it because it was a game changer, because the iconic to me meant right. there's we're going to look back and say that there was a paradigm shift. It came in number 12. The problem with the Luca Prism and the card before it, the LeBron James Topps Chrome, which came in 11, the problem with those is they don't just have one version. And so you have to compare on a market cap basis, just their base card across all grades, but then you also have to include the other versions of that specific card, the golds, the refractors, the prisms. I I totally agree because I think in five years from now, people are going to say, I want Luca. And so what's his best rookie card? And they're going to say, oh, maybe I can't afford that. They're going to look at the span of the different rookie cards and they're going to say, what looks like a decent deal? But if there's 500 million market cap to work with of Luca rookie cards, they're, they're going to pick and choose. They, they're not necessarily going to go to the silver prism. Are there more people chasing cards than with that amount of money than the amount of money the player's going to get for playing the game? That's to me when I think it starts getting out of whack. Mm. You know? I've never thought in those terms before. Yeah. I think it's super interesting. It is interesting. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> we'll do some more episodes in the future. In the meantime, keep up the... Uh, Great work on the uh, e-magazines. Again, highly recommended at the, the Real 27 guy. And you're at Gmail too, I guess. With uh, the, G- the Gmail is basketballcardfanatic.com. Yeah. Okay. If you want some more basketball, I will tee up Adam uh, again in the future. So thanks. Thanks, everybody. Be back tomorrow.